we are starting a new series, and uh, it is titled, Loving Each Other. I don't think that I've done a series on this topic since I've been the pastor here, and uh, I just felt the Holy Spirit saying, begin on this, and usually when that's the case, that I get to go studying, and it just kind of lays out. So today is the overview message of the series we're going to be getting into, Loving Each Other. John chapter 13 and verse 34. Jesus says this, Now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. This is an amazing, powerful verse that Jesus speaks to his close followers his close followers who have been with him, who have seen the miracles he's done, but who have also gone out and done the same kinds of miracles. Because he sent them out two by two, and they went out, they did amazing things. They saw people set free and healed. Lives changed. But he doesn't come to them and say, they're going to know you're my followers by how loud you sing. I like loud music. Everybody knows that. I just got to throw that. He didn't say, they're going to know you're my followers by how long you pray. I'm okay with long praying too. Just saying. But he didn't say that's how. He didn't say, they're going to know you're my followers by how many miracles you do. Well, that's one you'd think, well, sure he's going to do that, isn't he? No. He said, they're going to know you're my followers by how you love one another, by how you love each other. You see, as followers of Christ, we're not meant to fight each other. We're not meant to hold grudges. We should never have to come into church and have to pick a certain side because so-and-so is over on that section. I was a little unsure because I was on this section and it took a while for anybody to come. I was like, my preaching must be getting bad. (laughs) Never should that be the case. And if you're like, I don't know if I want to go in there today because you may need to work on something because we should love one another. Doesn't mean we'll all agree on everything. Doesn't mean we'll always be best friends with everybody but we should love each other. But let's see what Scripture has to say about this. And if you're here today and you're like, oh man, it's going to be one of those lovey messages, it'll be good, okay? It will be good. You see, we're commanded to love each other just like Jesus loved those with him. So he didn't just say love each other and leave it like there's no clue. He said, love like I loved you. So we're going to look at how did Jesus love those around him. You see, Jesus, first of all, when I go through Scripture, I see that Jesus loved people by spending time with them. And so for you and I, we can love like Jesus by spending time with each other. When you truly love others, you spend time with them. You show me a couple who isn't spending time, and I can guarantee the love is getting cool. So spending time with each other. Luke 10, 38. 
It says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him in to her home. Now, it just seems like a simple verse. Well, that's nice. They went to this village and Martha welcomed them in. But of course, as you continue to read through the New Testament, you realize something. Martha didn't really even know Jesus that first invitation, but said, hey, you guys can come to our house. And when they welcomed somebody into their home, it wasn't for a one-hour tea time in those days. If you welcomed someone into your home, it was that they could eat. And if it was a little later in the day, you were expecting them to camp out until the following day. It was an invitation to spend time together. And we know that Jesus and his followers spent multiple different times at Martha's house. And Martha, of course, had a sister named Mary, and you probably remember that story, where Jesus and his followers were with them, and Mary decides to sit down and listen to everything Jesus has to say. And Martha's like, come on, I invited them in. Now I get to do all the work. And she actually went to Jesus and said, Jesus, my sister's kind of being a little lazy here. Could you tell her to help me? And Jesus said, Martha... My main thing isn't to have dinner at the exact right time with everything perfectly laid out. I came to spend time with you because Jesus loved. My apologies to those who like things perfectly, you know, timed and everything like that. Spend time. And so inviting somebody in and spending time and going to people's places and spending time was something Jesus did often. And he was able to show his love by being with people. We're blessed to be able to come together with one another. And obviously in the weekend services, we don't have a great deal of time to commune with each other. There's a bit of time if you come early, a bit of time after. But the real time spent, I believe, in our church happens in life groups where you can actually talk with each other and there's a small enough group you can share and pray for one another and be real with each other. Jesus did it, and he did it often, in different homes. In Luke 19, verse 5, there's the well-known story that you might have heard from Sunday school. Luke 19, 5 says this, When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, And called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Jesus wanted to spend time and he didn't have a problem with inviting himself to someone's place. But Jesus knew Zacchaeus wanted him to spend time. Zacchaeus had climbed a tree to view it because he'd heard about Jesus, but Zacchaeus was a tax collector and people hated him. Nobody goes to the tax collector's house to visit and spend time because nobody loved him. For Jesus to make that statement, I'm coming to your house today. See, this wasn't going to be a short little visit just to see how Zacchaeus' house looked. They were going to sit down, they were going to eat, and then they were going to visit, and then they're probably going to eat again could have enjoyed it back then and then (laughs) a lot of eating (laughs) and they were going to be real Jesus was going to spend time because he loved people enough 
to take time away and spend it with them. And of course, if you continue with Zacchaeus' story, Zacchaeus was blown away that Jesus cared enough about him to come. And he was so overwhelmed with the love that he felt, he said, you know what, I'm going to make things right. If I've stolen anything, I'm going to pay back four times more. And Jesus said, today, salvation has come to this house. Wow, because he spent time. <laughs> if you want your friends or your co-workers to come to church with you, you can't just walk by and hand them an invitation or tell them you should show up. They're like, who are you? But when you spend time with them and they know you care about them, they're going to want to see why. And they're going to be sitting beside you in church because they're going to want to know why are you different. You know, at first they might be weirded out, but after that they're going to want to know why are you different. You see, Jesus also, of course, we know he spent every day for a number of years with his closest disciples. And he called them friends. He chose to spend hours and days to the point where he actually had no time for himself. And Mark 1.35 gives us a little picture of what his life looked like as he gave out and spent time with everybody around him. Verse 35 of Mark 1 says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. And when they found him, they said, Everyone is looking for you. He gave and spent time with people to the point where he had to get up when nobody else was awake and go sneak off somewhere to spend time with the Heavenly Father. He loved that much. If I can say this to you tonight, you've got to commit to spending time with people if you want to see them helped. If you want to see them grow, if you want to see them come to Christ, commit to spending time. It won't happen with a little practice speech. It won't happen with a little memorized verse. It'll happen when you're real and you spend time. All right, that's just one way Jesus loved. Everybody's like, I can do that, especially if there's food. I'll spend time, right? You're, we're all good with that. Let's see if we can, are good with the next one. We can love with Jesus, love like Jesus also by helping meet each other's physical needs. We'll see this in Scripture that Jesus reached out and helped meet actual physical needs. Matthew 14 and verse 15, we're going to just jump in a story here. And it says, That evening the disciples came to him, Jesus, and said, This is a remote place. And it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. So as believers, God asks us to also see if we can to meet physical needs of people around us. It speaks loud. And of course, in this story, Jesus did an amazing miracle. But they had to step out and use what they had. When the Lord's asking you to help meet physical needs around you, He's only asking you to help with what you have. He'll do the impossible, you just use what you have. Okay, so don't ever feel overwhelmed by that. You can only give what you're able. And that can be emotionally as well. If you're, I got nothing left, 
It's okay. Somebody else can help meet a physical need. But he does ask us to do that. And he asked his followers to do it that day. They brought what they had, which was only a few fish and a few loaves of bread. And he did a multiplied miracle that fed over 5,000 people. And of course, Jesus met physical needs by bringing physical healing to people. In Matthew 21, 14, there's a really short verse that just says this. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Jesus was all about seeing people's physical life change for the better. And he's still the same today as he was then. To love people, we need to be willing to help meet the physical need. Of course, there's a scripture that says, you know, if your brother comes to you and he's in need, don't tell him to just go away and be filled and do nothing if you have it there with you. Be real, help meet physical needs. And thirdly, we should love like Jesus by helping meet other spiritual needs. Jesus spent time with people. He helped meet physical needs. He also helped meet spiritual needs, of course. Matthew 8, 16. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus, and he cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all that were sick. So Jesus also said, hey, not every need is physical. And just spending time with people isn't always going to change them. He realized there's some here, they've got some spiritual things happening and they need to be free. And of course, with the authority he had, he set them free. And we know from Scripture, he also told his followers to do the same. He empowered, equipped them and said, go do the same. Jesus met spiritual needs and he chose to meet the greatest need of all human beings, which is was their need for forgiveness. And of course, only Jesus could do this. He would pay the price and he would lay down his life to make us spiritually right with the Heavenly Father once and for all. Anybody and everybody who would receive it. John 15, 13, he says, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. If we want to love like Jesus... We can't always be number one. Okay, you and I will not have to be crucified or die for somebody. Jesus did that. But there will be times where we have to put aside number one and say, you know what, their needs, I'm going to put them over mine. Their situation, I'm going to say, is more important than mine today. That's laying down our lives in today's world. Okay? (laughs) Meeting spiritual needs. Jesus told them that day, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He gave them truth and he said, I can make you spiritually right. So for you and I, what does that mean to help meet people's spiritual needs? Okay, so yes, we can spend time with people. We're willing to help meet some physical needs when we're able, when we have it. Also, we should be able and know how to help meet people's spiritual needs. So, do you know how to help others spiritually? Do you know how to lead them to follow Christ? Do you know how to pray for their needs? Are you able to answer spiritual questions if someone asked? And if you were faced with a situation where there was a spirit that needed to be dealt with, do you know how as a believer? If not, that's okay. We're going to help you know how. 
And through this series, I hope we get some practical ways that people are like, oh, I didn't know that. Don't worry, it's not hard. And the power to do it doesn't come from you anyways in all of this. It comes from him. You just have to be a willing vessel. Okay. So we also can love others by helping to meet spiritual needs. And finally, my last point tonight in this overview, we can love like Jesus by forgiving each other. This, I believe, the thing that makes us most like Jesus is our ability to forgive. Because there was no one like Jesus. Even in Old Testament times, the followers of God followed the principle of hate your enemies. If someone hits you on the cheek, hit them back. Jesus took everything to a whole other level. And he said, no, 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 no. It used to be said, hate your enemies, but I'm telling you, love your enemies. You cannot love your enemies if you don't forgive them. You can't. So Jesus loved, and we also need to love by forgiving. Listen to Luke 23 and 33. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him, they nailed Jesus to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And as he hung there, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. They mocked him. They said, if you're the son of God, why don't you call for angels to come? If you're the son of God, why don't you remove yourself from the cross? And with all of that, he didn't curse them. He didn't say, God, give them what they deserve. He said, God, forgive them. And this is key. You want to be able to forgive people, you need to understand most times they don't know what they're doing. Most times they are hurting and broken themselves. They do not know what they're doing. Sometimes they're just lashing out. Sometimes they're just doing what they learned from their parents. Sometimes they're just fighting to survive and you happen to be in the way. When you understand that, it becomes easy to forgive. It's not all about you. Did you know that often when people hurt you, it's not really about you. Have you ever met somebody at a workplace and it's like, they just attacked you and you don't even know them. Well, guess what? It's not about you, it's them. They're going through stuff, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know they're mean and nasty. They don't. So pray and forgive them. And then pray that God can change them. Pray that God can reach them. You see, Jesus was all about people coming back to the Father. And he was all about every single person receiving a chance. In Matthew 6, chapter 9, the disciples have asked Jesus, how do we pray? We want to be taught how to pray, like John taught his followers to pray. Teach us how to pray. 
I don't know, I'm guessing maybe they were hoping for some deep spiritual stuff. Maybe for like just over the top, how do you pray and see things change? I love the way Jesus taught because it was simple. That means nobody can miss it, even me. And he said, hey, okay, this is, you want to know how to pray, guys? This is how you pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You start by honoring and glorifying him. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, you do what you want, not what I want. I'm angry at so-and-so, it doesn't matter. I'm going to forgive them because that's what you want. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, meet our needs. It doesn't get any simpler than that. He didn't tell them to see your needs met. You're going to need to fast and pray for 50 days and you're going to have to walk around like this and jump a certain way. No. That's religious. And then he said this, Forgive us our debts or sins as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And without taking a breath, he continues, For if you forgive men their trespasses. It's interesting. He taught them how to pray, but he knew this one point. He was going to have to make it a little clearer. Why is that, church? Because sometimes it's just hard to forgive. It just hurt too much. He said, listen, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Oh, boy. Loving each other means we learn how to forgive, even when we don't want to. Loving each other means we put aside our own hurt and pain and say, Lord, you take this. They probably didn't know what they were doing. Even if they did, you take it. I forgive them. I'm not going to carry it. I'm not going to be angry at them every day. I'm not going to speak about them every day. I'm not going to try to get even every day. Did you know holding unforgiveness causes you to stress and be angry? It affects your body. It affects your mind. It affects who you are. And over time, if you don't forgive, you end up hurting a multitude of people around you. Because you start acting out of your pain and your hurt. No, it is not the right way. Forgive and let them go. If you could see what the Lord sees in the Spirit when you hold unforgiveness, you're not free when you don't forgive. You allow yourself to be tied to the one who hurts you when you don't forgive. Did you know that? In a way, you carry them and what they did with you. If you could picture it, maybe you were hurt in grade one, that bully called you ugly, and you put that on your shoulder. In grade three, you told that girl she looked nice, and she ignored you. Later in life, your parent 
One of your parents had a really rough day and you had no idea why, but they yelled at you like they hated you and you now carry that. You got your first job and the manager was having a bad day. It's like, quit being lazy or you're going to get fired. And now you carry that. Then you got married. No. <laughs> hey. If, if you don't forgive, it begins to pile up. You've tied yourself to every situation. You know what happens when you forgive? Lord, I forgive them. They didn't know what they were doing. I forgive them. Maybe they didn't know. It. I still forgive them. You take it. Ooh, that feels better. Yes, that bully from grade one didn't know what they were talking about. I am just fine the way I look. Whoever needed that. <laughs> Did you know people hold things and it affects their life? Something as simple as that. I remember a bully in grade one throwing snowballs at me. I don't like snowball fights to this day. No, I'm okay with them now. <laughs> but for a number of years, it was like, oh, have you forgiven? And you're like, ah, you picked real easy ones. Those are easy to forgive. But here's the thing. Forgiveness is the same for those simple things like that as it is for the heavy things. You just do it. You just do it. So to truly love each other, and I'm getting ready to wrap up. To truly love each other, we need to love like Jesus. We need to spend time we need to be willing to meet some physical needs, willing to meet spiritual needs, and most definitely, we've got to forgive each other. Isaiah 1.18, it says, Come, let's talk it over, says the Lord. No matter how deep the stain of your sins, I can take it out and make you as clean as a freshly fallen snow. Even if you are stained as red as crimson, I can make you white as wool. The Lord Jesus willing and ready to forgive anything. To totally wash it away and make you clean. You see, that's salvation and that's the picture of forgiveness that we get to see. And I'm sharing this for a reason because maybe there's someone here tonight you have never accepted Christ's, what he's done for you into your life. You've never asked him to forgive you and make you new. He's paid the price on that cross as we read earlier. He hung there, he shed his blood that you and I could be forgiven and made right with the Heavenly Father. You see, there's no way to the Heavenly Father except through what Jesus did. That's what the Bible says. No other name is given among men whereby we must be saved. And there he is reaching out to each saying, you know what, it's for you. Come. He just says, come, I'll give it to you. In Ezekiel 36 and verse 26, we read this amazing verse. He says, I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new and right desires and put a new spirit within you. I will take out your stony heart of sin and give you new hearts of love. Wow, what a gift. It's there for us, and then Scripture clearly tells us, well, how do I receive it? I'm glad it's there, but how do I receive it? 
It's the Christmas season, and everybody's hoping at Christmas to get a present. The present's there with your name on it, but until you take it and open it up, it really does you no good. Well, this gift that Christ paid for is there with your name on it. And there's only one way to receive it. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you believe this in your heart, that Christ really did die for you and rose again, if you believe that, you just need to use words and say it. And so in our church, we do this often. We make opportunity for you to speak what you're feeling right now in your heart. Maybe you don't even understand it completely. That's okay. If you're feeling his love and you're like, I do want that forgiveness. I want to be made right. Then we're going to say a simple prayer that you can repeat after us just so that you can use words. There's no power in the prayer. But we do this as a point for you to say yes. And we're going to do that right now. I'm going to ask the entire group to pray with me for those one or two that may not have said this before. We don't want to embarrass you, but we want you to take the first step. So if you'll bow and pray this with me, repeat after me, say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I ask you now, forgive me of all my sin. Give me that new heart. I am saved.